Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And on this episode, we will be reviewing Big Trouble in Little China, the 1986 classic of modern cinema directed by John Carpenter and starring Kurt Russell, Dennis Dunn, Kim Cattrall, and James Hong. And when I say classic of modern cinema, I wish this was a video podcast. You could have seen Dwayne's face. <laughs> this movie was great. I had, uh, <clears throat> Lord, it had been so long since I had seen it. I had very, very little memory of it. Uh but it was just a joy to watch. And, uh, I mean, it is truly, truly a child of the 80s. From Kurt Russell's hair to his boots. I mean, to, I mean. The, the boots and the knife <laughs> in the boots were killing me. The whole, I mean, he just had this. And I remember being a child of the 80s. And, I mean, you had to have a throwing knife. I mean, it was a must. You never knew when you were going to get into a situation. That you would need a throwing knife. Absolutely. And, and this movie is so 80s. That throwing knife is crucial to the crucial movie to the in plot. more than one place. Crucial to the plot, yes. So, yeah, it was a ton of fun, Jamie. I know you recommended this one and really wound up gushing quite a bit about it. And, I mean, the, the gush was appropriate. I mean, the movie was just a ton of fun. Just a blast from end to end. Well, I know that you said that you, um, that you hadn't seen it in a long time. Um you know, I don't. I haven't seen it in a while. You know, it's been a couple of months until this week. A couple of months. You know, ago. I've only watched it three times this year already. So I mean, now see, and my last time I had seen it was probably I would say about '94. <laughs> you know, it, it took a while for this movie to catch on. Um, I went and looked at some of the numbers today. I mean, it's it's wild how much, or I mean, how little money this movie made when it came out. It's, it's the entire theatrical release. Just guess. And with the effects and everything, I mean, the movie probably broke even because you could tell it wasn't on a great budget. Well, no, no, these are not. This is 1986. Right. So just bear in mind this. I mean, this was pretty okay effects for the day. Yeah, yeah, there were there were very timely effects. Yeah. You could, you could tell that they still worked. But its entire theatrical release it made 11.1 million dollars. Wow. Yeah, it was the last time Carpenter worked with a major studio, probably happily on both sides. And you could tell this really wasn't a Carpenter wheelhouse as far as a straight horror yeah. or, you know, kind of a thriller that, that he is known for. Yeah, there, there was a lot that sort of went on here. I mean, it's I mean, I've, I've done a lot of research. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, well, I understand you spent a lot of time with this movie, and like I said, I really haven't. <laughs> spent that much time with it but uh yeah uh, we've only got an hour here i don't want to go down too many rabbit trails so yeah so we'll, we'll keep it try to keep it focused on here a little bit but yeah like you were saying the movie not really being a carpenter wheelhouse uh horror or you know thriller type movie as kind of a you mentioned to me it was kind of a, a tropey action movie that was sort of self-aware that kind of kind of let you know what it was and it knew what it was now, I want to bring something up, Jamie, in, in our opening thoughts, and this may be He's a, green again. a little jump in the gun here. Now, this movie, aside from being an action movie, which it thinks it is, aside from being a mild horror movie, which it thinks it is, aside from it being a kung fu movie, which it kind of is, this is a human trafficking movie. It really is. It really is an expose of the, of the horrors of human trafficking in, uh, in a Chinatown in San Francisco. <laughs> and, and honestly, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms until our pre-show meeting. Yeah. But, but you're right. And it is one of the few aspects of the movie that's not played for laughs. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that, that I think is great 
also. It's not played. That's that's not played for. It's very serious, but it's so blasé and it's so just brushed upon. Yeah, it's not the point it's of the movie. It's not the point of the movie. Yeah. Now, if, if a movie was made in, in in a you know climate more modern, you know this would be a major focal point of the movie, the, the horrors of the human trafficking, and not to diminish by any stretch of the imagination how horrible the, the human trafficking situation is. You know, but again, like, you know, this being the, the 80s and we always talk about the 70s and 80s, you know, it puts some dirt on it, you know, <laughs> put some dirt. You know, I felt down and scraped my knee, mom, put some dirt on it, wipe it off. You know, I, I remember as a, as a kid uh, watching the Dukes of Hazard and then jumping every episode. They had to jump the creek or a ditch or whatever to get away from Boss Hog. And <clears throat> so I took one of my ride on toys to the top of the hill by the house, piled up all of my other ride-on toys at the end of the hill. Now, are you going to show me a scar? Now there was a brick, there was a brick uh, cinder block retaining wall. In in my youth, I wasn't smart enough to realize there was a portion of the brick sticking up. Now I, I was safe. I put on a football helmet. <laughs> You're already ahead of the big boys. You see, and I've, I've pulled my, uh, I'd, watched, I'd watched enough Evil Knievel specials to know the score, you know, you know what I'm saying. So I took my ride on toy, scooted yeah, up. Yeah, that, that captain of safety, Evil Knievel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> scooted up to the top of the hill and had my toys there to jump over dramatically and make my escape. Release the brakes. Bam, hit that top of that brick, flipped over, <laughs> and landed head first into the pile of toys with my feet sticking up Flintstone style <laughs> out of the bottom, bottom of my ride on car. It was a glorious stunt gone wrong uh, being a kid. It was, uh, you know, and, and that's just the kind of era that this movie yeah. is made in. You know, you've, you've got these. These guys, and they're tough guys. They never admit when they're old. They never admit when they don't know anything. And we'll get into that. Yeah. You have all of the um, the tropes are just so cliche. Everything is so cliche. Uh, half of the Chinese people speak with a really severe Chinese accent. The other half sound like they're from New York. Or Ohio. Yeah, or Ohio. <laughs> um, and then you also have, you know, I don't think there is a an Asian person in this movie who is not a kung fu expert. And yeah, that's true. And knows some manner of Chinese black magic. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I was not aware of how prominent black magic was in Chinese culture. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, as we as we're getting into our opening thoughts of this movie, I mean, this was just a glorious movie. So you want to speak about some grades here now? Oh yeah, and I just want to say like um like big big picture. I mean when you when you I mean because we're still sort of non-spoilery here, so I, I just want to say kind of big picture. But I mean what what this movie is is it's it's goofy and it's goofy on purpose. I mean this this is not your like Commando or Predator or Terminator. It's a, it's an 80s action movie, but it's an action 80s action movie that's like at least 50% comedy. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean the acting is so over the top. I mean I was thinking you know 40s. And 50 style, you know, acting why there, Bob, you know, it's just so over top. Everything is delivered so breathless. And I've got a point to make about that later. There's a scene in particular where I want to bring it out. The acting is, <laughs> is we'll, we'll get there. It's I, I think I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Here. 
But uh, but in terms of grades, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of Quain's grade. He hurt me the last time on one of these. It was, the, it was a beloved movie of mine. But uh, my, my grade here is, is this is an A-plus movie for me. Um, I, and I know I'm not objective. I mean, I, this, I just I love this movie so much. And I, I'm sure there's flaws that I just can't see. But uh, it's just, for me, it's just pure enjoyment. I, I watch this movie, and I have such a great time all the way through. Yeah. So I, it's an A plus. No. And I can really see that with this movie being, you know, an A plus movie for you. And I can see where the enjoyment would come in, especially as much time as you spent with it. And, and honestly, in all honesty, I know we're going to review two movies next time. And I'm really trying to think, well, when can I watch this movie again in the next, you know, short amount of time? You know, it's, it's a movie I really want to revisit because there is a lot going on. There really is a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack. <clears throat> maybe not too deep digging, but there's a lot to unpack. I mean, I would honestly give this movie just for the sheer over the topness, just for the sheer what it's trying to do. I don't know the word I'm looking for here. I'm going to go ahead and give this movie, I'm going to give it a solid A. All right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be gentle with you. <laughs> In, in all seriousness, I'm going to give this movie an A because it really is a fun ride. It was done well. Um, even though it's silly at times, it's aware of itself and does not put too much weight yeah. on itself uh, to really expect you to buy in and say, they really missed a ball here or, oh, this performance should have gotten an Oscar. No, it is what it is, and it's a fun movie, and it's a movie where you can sit down with some popcorn and just cheer at the action. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's in it, like we talked about on the last episode, it's important to take into account what a thing is trying to be. Mm-hmm. And when you take this thing on its own, you know, goals, what its own intentions are, I think that changes your expectations. And how, for me, it does. I mean, if this thing had told me it was trying to win an Academy Award, I'd be, I mean, you, you, treat, you treat it differently. Yeah, it would be a completely different movie. And, of course, to achieve this, you know, they've got one of the greats of 80s cinema, Kurt Russell. I mean, just his screen presence, his delivery, his um, machismo, bravado, just, you know, I'm the I'm the testosterone-laden trucker, yeah. you know, uh, uh, driving the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking on the CB to anyone who wants to listen. Anyone who just is going by and, you know, it's it really uh, excels at what it is. Yeah, it's great. Okay, I think we're probably done with the spoiler-free section, and now we're going to launch into our review. And we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Um, we've decided we want to do um, more of a breakdown by block. We're going to sort of block the movie out and go uh, block by block into a review of this movie. And... Um, now, for our synopsis, we're going we're gonna to just uh, borrow entirely the synopsis from Wikipedia. And my wife informed me that I have to give a disclaimer here. Yeah, yeah and I want to jump in right here, too. Jamie, your wife is a professional researcher. She works for a local college. <laughs> so, I mean, this is her job is to seek things out, to break things down and explain them. Yeah, she, she, she is by trade an archivist. Um, she's got a master's degree in it, and... Um, she's not exactly thrilled that we're using Wikipedia as our resource here. Um, she's not proud of me, and she wanted me to issue a disclaimer on the podcast for <laughs> folks that know both of us that uh, she was opposed to this idea. So, <laughs> so with, with our disclaimer um, going through, we're going to talk about the first block of the movie here. I'm going to read the first 
uh, block from uh, Wikipedia's synopsis uh, against my wife's wishes, and then we will uh, we'll just uh, we'll discuss it. So, uh, big talking, rough and tumble truck driver Jack Burton wins a bet with his restaurant owner friend Wang Chi. To make sure he follows through on payment, Jack accompanies him to the airport to pick up Wang Chi's fiance Miao Yin. A Chinese street gang, the Lords of Death, tries to kidnap another Chinese girl at the airport, who is being met by her friend Gracie Law, intending to sell her as a sex slave. After Jack intervenes, they take Miao Yin instead. Okay, that was a uh, pretty succinct uh, breakdown of the first part of the movie. Um, and I would like to say, as we meet Kurt Russell, oh, you know, like, I was spoken, oh, like I was speaking about a minute ago, and it was... He's this trucker who's just, hey, now this is Jack on the Pork Chop Express talking to anybody who wants to listen. I mean, he's just got this attitude uh, going through, uh, you know, driving into Chinatown in the rain at night in sunglasses. Yeah, and, and just monologuing in sunglasses. Just talking in sunglasses. Morpheus would have been proud. While eating a sandwich. <laughs> you know, I don't know um, one of my... Uh, Dear friends, a co-worker at work has gotten his uh, CDLs to be able to drive a big rig. I'm going to ask him what, how many regulations that breaks. <laughs> Sunglasses at night, <laughs> in a rainstorm, eating a sandwich, talking on the CB. Well, later on <laughs> in the movie, he's doing the same thing again. Instead of a sandwich, he's got a fifth of liquor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just totally great. I mean, all of these, all these great '80s things happening. Um, but that, but that's your buying point. Yeah, that's that's where you're if, gonna say this if, guy is what he. Yeah, is. he is what you see there. Yeah, at the end of that first monologue, when he's talking about what what happens when an eight foot tall wall-eyed maniac taps the back of your favorite head against the barroom wall, <laughs> you know, at the end of that, if you're not laughing. If you don't, if you don't get what's going on there, you're not going to enjoy this movie. movie. Yeah, you're not in the movie. Yeah, you're you're not you're not in for a fun time. Yeah. So, I mean, that that really, really, I think that 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 scene in the truck where he's just monologuing at nobody, probably. I can imagine turning my CB off if I was driving near him at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, and that, Wang, uh, you know, as as him and Wang are gambling a little bit later in the scene after he gets into Chinatown and they unload the, and you find it's actually a pig truck. Really He's is. actually unloading pigs from the. Truck. He was eating a ham sandwich too. <laughs> I didn't notice what yeah. it was. I was just like, oh my god, he's eating a sandwich. Oh, yeah. this is glorious. Yeah, they lean into the. So they're leaning all in. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, and this is where Jamie has spent a lot more time with this movie than me, so he's going to have all these little insights. Uh, but yeah, so after he gets into Chinatown and they're gambling at night, and uh, Wang is confessing his adoration for his. I, I love this girl's name. Meow Lin. No, it's Yin. Yin. Okay, Meow. Meow Yin. Meow Yin. I mean, I'm every time he's saying this, I'm seeing a cat food commercial. <laughs> you know, this was another one of these things that is just you know completely biting to these Asian stereotypes with names and uh, and just the glory of that. Yeah, and I, I think that's an interesting point to make. Is like to talk about representation in movies now. Oh. I mean, there's like three white faces in this whole movie. This I mean, almost the entire cast. This is true. I didn't realize. That. And the only people capable of accomplishing anything competently are, are, are all the Asian characters. Yeah. All the white people in this movie are idiots. So, guys, the 80s weren't as discriminatory <laughs> as you thought. Yeah. Well, it wasn't as dark a time. You know, there were, there were some pockets. I mean, they may have been playing a really stereotyped individual, but 
I mean, they still got some screen time. Everybody in this movie is a stereotype. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good, good rabbit hole to go down or what. But, yeah, the, uh, the, the characterization, you know, and he's gushing about his, his love. And uh, he's finally gotten enough money to bring her to America. And uh, so they go to the airport to get her. And uh, as he's looking for this green-eyed Asian woman, which is a big deal, apparently, uh, Kurt Russell sees a blonde across the way. And he says, well, who is this? And he says, oh, no, she's trouble. Don't mess with her. And, and you can see on his face, trouble. Yeah. Yeah, trouble. Let's go. Might as well have dared him to walk over there. Exactly. So he goes over, tries to strike up a conversation. Then the gang goes by. And again, the shades. The, the one guy's got on the vent visor. The other guy's got the little cat eyes. The shades. I mean, guys, this is total 80s styling here. I mean, I was expecting Michael Jackson to move on across at any moment. If one of them had yelled, show enough, I mean, it would have been, it would have been in. There's a review. There's a review right there, The Last Dragon. I would be all in for that. No, I would be too. We'll have to get that soon. Okay, but but I, I think that's a telling scene too, when he goes over and talks to Kim Cattrall. You learn a lot about who these people are mm-hmm. because... I mean, she's really dismissive of him, and she's really kind of pompous about why, why she's there and all this kind of stuff. So you kind of learn about who they are, and, yeah. and you learn that it's not just Kurt Russell who's overacting in this movie. Everybody's overacting. Everybody's <laughs> overacting entirely, yeah. So um, as we find out, the Kim Cattrall gets away with the, the, the girl she's trying to rescue, and Wang's girl... They, they take Miao Yin instead. They were there to grab the girl Kim Cattrall was rescuing from China. And, and they grabbed Miao Yin instead. And uh, so, which starts the chase. Yeah. And but I think, too, there's a telling scene there. Jack is... It's never mentioned in the movie. It's kind of Jack's fault that Miao Yin gets grabbed. Mm-hmm. It's because he went and messed with the, the street gang, the Lords of Death. Yeah. But he gets in the way, so they grab Miao Yin instead. They grab the wrong girl. So it's, and, he, and he's pretty obnoxious. Talking to Kim Cattrall... But the thing is, like, he's so so we, we see what kind of jerk he is, and that he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Right. And but he's also brave, right? He is brave. And the reason he's there is because Wang lost a bet with him, and he's like, no, you're not getting out of my sight <laughs> until you pay me the money you owe me. Yeah. You know? So it's it's not that he's going there out of chivalry. Yeah. You know. But but uh, so as those guys come out though, Jack finds them. There's three of them who obviously know kung fu, and he's got a knife in his boot. But so so he's still going to face him down. They take off with Miao Yin. He's with Wang. Like, no, get in the truck. We're going. We're going after him. Yeah. So he showed, he's kind of an obnoxious jerk, but, you know, he, he's brave, He's a brave guy, you know? So I, I thought that was kind of a, a telling moment. And, and that's the thing we learned at the beginning of the movie uh, that, that I really missed, uh, the, knowing where the movie wound up and how they got there. But the, the beginning of the movie kind of starts after the end of the movie where uh, – What's his name? The the Egg the, the tour bus driver, Egg. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah Egg. And I, I couldn't remember if they were I know every name. <laughs> Ed or Egg or what. So uh, he's, he's talking to his lawyer. And his lawyer says, what happened? Well, what about this guy? And he keeps bringing up, you know, Jack Burton. And he's like, well, you leave Jack Burton out of this. You leave Jack Burton out of this. You leave Jack Burton out of this. And he's like, why are you so intent that we leave him out of this? You know, and then they talk about magic and how all of the Asian... Uh, characters are adept at some, you know, to some degree at magic and and all of this uh, fantastical uh, things. So let's let's look at the uh, next. Are you ready to move on to the next paragraph? Uh, sure. Uh, although I do want to say that that opening scene with Egg and the lawyer, who's <laughs> deep throat from X Files, by the way, <laughs> um, 
that was against John Carpenter's wishes. The, stu- yeah. the studio made him film that because they thought the opening scene in the in the in the truck where he's just where Jack's monologuing was too dumb and made Jack not look heroic enough. So they so they so they made him put Ed Sheeran at the beginning at the beginning of the movie saying Jack was a hero. I, I, I don't know if that helped. I don't know if that helped this case or not. But it did kind of give you a baseline for the weirdness in the movie. Yeah. Where, where he it's you know, has the blue where he has the blue sparklies uh, you know between his hands he was he was trying to uh, you know uh, Thor from Ragnarok and uh, you know sparkles. Yeah. Um, as Jeff Goldblum would say. Uh, now, the next section here, uh, Jack and Wang track the Lords of Death to the back alleys of Chinatown, where they find a funeral procession that quickly erupts into a Tong war between the Chang Sing and Wing Kong, two ancient Chinese societies, when the three storms, thunder, rain, and lightning, Mighty warriors with weather-themed powers appear, slaughtering the Chang Sing. Jack attempts to gun his big rig through the crowd, but runs over David Lopan, a decrepit man directing the three storms. Horrified, Jack exits his truck, but finds Lopan unfazed and glowing with magic. Wang hurriedly guides Jack through the alleys, and the two escape the carnage and mayhem, but Jack's truck is stolen. And this is one of the biggest mistakes in the movie. Um, did you did you catch? See, I've seen this movie over and over again, so it's it's not fair. But did you notice during the funeral procession? Did you look at the faces of the people carrying the casket? Not necessarily. I didn't notice much. They're all senior citizens. They're old. But as soon as the bad guys show up, it's a completely different they people, and they're young. all young, and they know kung fu. <laughs> That's great. And I was really so shocked at that point of uh, seeing the, the fighting faces in. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of familiar Asian faces in here, um, be they the fighters or people in the background, people that are interacting with throughout the movie. You know, they really probably pulled 90% of the Asian actors in Hollywood for this movie in one degree or another. I, I was checking IMDb to see if Jackie Chan was in there. One of the guys kept reminding me of Jackie Chan. <laughs> and, uh, Did it show up? He's not listed. He's he, not he listed. He is in there. But I wondered if, if it was just something left out because I know some actors will omit things and, and be Easter. Jackie Chan's in that fight scene. So I, I, I was thinking so, and especially, you know, he is such a physical uniqueness uh, well they, they well they wanted him to play wang chi and at that point in his career his english wasn't good enough for him to have that many speaking parts is it good enough to oh. <laughs> probably not <laughs> I, I, I love rush hour too when uh, <laughs> do you understand the words that come out of my mouth and when jackie chan breaks it he's chris tucker says can't nobody understand you <laughs> So uh, yeah, and I'm sure he played up the uh, the accent for that yeah. little bit. But uh, yeah, I could uh, I could see that, and I mean he is such a physicality yeah. to himself. He's he's just wonderful. But yeah, I was noticing that they kept shooting the casket, and that really just I was like, really they're shooting the casket. The guy's already <laughs> dead. Is this an assassination or is this a fight? You know, are they able to make sure he's dead? See, I wondered about that. And I've never found out 
but they keep shooting and they keep shooting the the Chinese letters off the side of the casket. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there was something to that, like a cultural thing, like it was a way to dishonor the that, family or the. That could work very yeah, well. Yeah, I, I wondered about that because they, they keep shooting. They, there's prominent angles of the camera that shows them those those Chinese letters popping off the casket. So I it, wonder if that was there was something to that. It, it could be a type of blessing or seal that you're trying to remove. Yeah, that, I wondered uh, about that. That we're unfamiliar with culturally, but uh, I can see that happening. But yeah, but the fight scene in the alleyway. Is is wonderful because the guys they have their funeral robe on, and then they duck around the corner and come back with their fighting garb on, you know. And then you have the red turbans versus the gold turbans. And suddenly that. they have guns and, and swords and, and, and knives and swords and bats and <laughs> knives, yeah, all sorts of things. Uh, it's great. But now this is one of the things that I really saw at this movie: <clears throat> the three storms. I had a question. I was going to ask you about the three storms. I mean, has have they sued Mortal Kombat yet for intellectual <laughs> infringement? You the, the lightning character absolutely. Absolutely is rated. Yeah. And really, a lot of the characters as they fight, I mean, you see, even Wayne can be a, a, a what's him, Lou, K, or Lou uh, oh, what's the Asian guy in Mortal Kombat? Because you have, I was a Street Fighter 2 guy. Well, yeah. I, I like to work for a fighter myself, but uh, but anyway, yeah. So you really have a lot of that in there, and uh, you know Johnny Cage could totally have been Kurt Russell with the sunglasses and the and the fighting, <laughs> and uh, you know of course the lightning guy and the the r- wind and rain whatnot yeah. uh, that you had. But yeah, those guys were completely. I was like, this could have been a Mortal Kombat movie. But I see. But I, I think too that that would have been the moment. Like if, if we had, if we hadn't had that opening scene added where you see Egg Shin doing the lightning hands deal, mm-hmm. that would have been the first moment where you realize like, what? what Something's going on, on here. And yeah. that would have been that really truly would have been a great first reveal yeah. for the magic in this because you're like, oh wow, it's not just, you know, a fisticuffs. It's not just. There's more going on. There's here. a lot more yeah. going on. Yeah. And then when uh, they're escaping in the truck and you know David. Low pan. Low pan pops up, and Russell tries, you know, Kurt Russell tries to slam on the brakes and still winds up plowing him down, and he's fine. Just, just strolling around just behind the truck. Now, at this point in the movie, I, I, I kind of missed uh, the the physicality that he was doing. Was he was he still doing the floating motion, or was I, he actually? I think walking? so. It's hard to tell because he done a lot of the gliding. Yeah, he done a lot well, of the gliding. See, I, he may have been walking there because I know that when it, once they let him move and they go underground into his sort of realm, that um, he only floats mm. in in that form until he starts taking on uh, flesh again. We're jumping ahead here, but at this point, I'm not sure. It may not make sense why he's up there at all right. in that form. I, yeah. I, I, it doesn't make sense why he's up there in that form. Because we learn later that there's, he's got two forms. Unless it's just to show his connection to, to the, the storms. storms. Yeah. You know, that, that would really be the only reason. But it, it was kind of an odd introduction of a character. I was going to ask you that. What did you think of Lopez? Yeah, it was kind of an odd introduction of, of a character. Um, as a character, I mean, he's just a crazy kooky bad guy you know uh who has been cursed and is trying to do everything wrong to make it right yeah it feels like there should have been a scene where he twirled his mustache i mean he was that <laughs> level of feeling 
I, I think I think he probably would have if he wasn't, you know, working the controller on his wheelchair in, in one scene because that was when his real uh, kind of creepy, over the top evilness come out. Yeah. Uh, when when they encounter him as a really aged man instead of this, uh, you know, visage of a two uh, thousand year old eight foot tall warrior. Eight foot tall warrior. Yes. Yeah, just, but I just wonder why, because like, he's he's dressed different. Like even even the um, the two Asian gangs, they're fighting in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. They still look like modern people. They they just got like geese on, right? They don't they're not really dressed in a in a strange fashion. But Lopan is wearing like this you know strange, very culturally Chinese getup. He's he got this weird makeup on his face. He's got the crazy fingernails. Yeah, and the storms. The introduction of the storms where they each have a close up of their face with the crazy eyes. That was, I was like, okay, this is, this is, okay, I know what this is now. <laughs> yeah. And the storms don't make any sense. No. They don't even not. try to explain them. No. But no. I love them. They're, they're, they're different. They're different. I, I, I just, I, I love that they're these, these sort of elemental forces that, that Jack has to fight and Wayne has to fight or that just, they, they fight Jack. Jack doesn't as much fight them. They fight Jack. Yeah, they fight Jack. But uh, I, I just, I, I love their presence in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it really uh, cements the ethereal you know magical part of, of that. and that may be the what, what they're what they're sort of how they service the plot of the movie it's like you know it just gives you a reminder like some, this is this is different this is a different world things there are different rules in this world mm. and um and since jack is sort of our substitute he's the ignorant guy who's wandered into this world he doesn't understand he's sort of our the stand-in for the audience yeah. If they're not, if it's not explained to Jack, maybe the story doesn't, doesn't have to explain it to us. Right. And so we just have to roll with it the way Jack just has, has to roll with a lot of the stuff. Yeah, and through the whole movie, and he's just like, what the blank is going <laughs> on? Knows, is after each encounter, or just before each encounter, it seems, that he is going, what did we just do? Or what are we about to do? And, and you know, one of the Asian characters has to explain to him what what the score is yeah. and and even uh, Kim Cattrall as we find later she even is a little bit more uh, keen in that world yeah and 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 in a similar way to the Matrix that Neo was sort of our stand-in that like had things explained at him for our benefit Jack does that a lot mm-hmm. Jack's a lot of times is just going I just want my truck back and what's going on here and and they'll, and they'll just like explain things at him that are you know it's a shorthand way to explain things to us but and it's not it's not Lawrence Fishburne it's Morpheus level you know no, exposition yeah the exposition is totally not uh, as well done as there, there's a, there's yeah the acting style of this movie <laughs> uh, can best be described as over the top hammy ham campy yeah I mean it's 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 about as hammy as Jack's truck. <laughs> <laughs> you know. We want to jump to the next section? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, section three. And I, I think this is where that acting stuff you're talking about really gets ratcheted up. Oh, yeah. Um, so Wayne takes Jack to his restaurant where they meet up with Gracie. I want to say once again, sorry uh, to my wife about reading this Wikipedia entry. Um, where they meet up with Gracie, her journalist friend Margot, Wang's friend Eddie Lee, and magician Egg Shin, a local authority on mysticism and Lopan. They try to explain to an incredulous Jack who only wants his truck back. The ancient knowledge and sorcery the Chinese brought with them to America. The group devises a plan to infiltrate a brothel, where they believe Miao Yin is held. They break in with some difficulty, but are interrupted by the storms tearing off the ceiling and making off with Miao Yin, taking her to their master, Lopan. Jack and Wayne track down the front business used by Lopan and impersonate electricians to gain access, but are quickly subdued by rain. After being tied up and beaten by thunder, the two meet Lopan. However, he now appears as a crippled old man. 
And I gotta tell you, folks, you're missing some stuff on the on this being audio only. Dwayne's laughing in all the right places. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and as, as we're going through this, this is bringing back those scenes uh, as as we were seeing. And you know, the uh, Wang's friend. I want that suit. <laughs> that purple and gray check. You're talking about '80s stuff, I mean, man. That is pure I '80s. I mean, Don Johnson was was green with envy for that. And uh, I mean, if you if you if you were to dry that suit, you would get the '80s out of your lint trap. <laughs> yeah, you really would. But uh, but the, so the, but the restaurant scene. So so they they leave and go to the restaurant, and they're sort of regrouping. Jack is trying to get a hold of his insurance company, and that's when you meet. Um, it really, you really get what Kim Control's doing mm-hmm. because you just meet her in the airport before. Yeah, this is the first scene where they dump the information. Yeah. All of this has happened. You've got this point. Now, let's catch our breath and it's kind of a reset. find out what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a reset exactly where they do it. So this is the first major scene of, of exposition where we find out what is really going down. Yeah, who's the crazy guy I just ran over? That's what it amounts to. That's that's exactly what he says. You know, who's the crazy guy I just ran over? And, uh, you know, we we meet uh, Kim Cattrall again, uh, Gracie Law, and she is explaining how she's rescuing the girls from the human trafficking side. And she brings along this completely clueless... (laughs) Reporter. Reporter who is just... I mean, you talk about people having a entitled lifer attitude i mean this girl just has no idea and uh, so she doesn't even know what, what she's getting into but i but i think there I, I think one of the one of the keys for me to understanding like the ways everybody's overreacting i think show up here mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that um that's interesting about this movie is when the script was originally written it was set in the 1890s and jack burton was a cowboy going into san francisco's 1890s chinatown and when they update it, they decided to update it to the modern times. They didn't change much of the script. A lot of the stuff is still the same. They just reset the context. And I so, see that, Tony. And so what Kurt Russell's doing there is he's doing a John Wayne cowboy through the whole movie. In Indian moccasin boots. <laughs> I both love and hate those boots. <laughs> I, I know. I kind of want a pair. I wouldn't be caught dead in them, though. Even, even with the Velcro that rips away for the knife. <laughs> Those were Kurt Russell's own boots. <laughs> they weren't part of his wardrobe. He brought them to the movie with him. Now, is this something you're exaggerating? Or is no, this there is he is. This is. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were not part of the wardrobe. Fist pump. <laughs> Fist pump in the air, yes. Yeah. So, so Kurt Russell's doing, you know, John Wayne Cowboy. And you can really tell sometimes he'll like kind of draw his words a little bit. He's, he's doing a John Wayne impression for mm. a lot of this movie. So he's doing John Wayne Cowboy. I can see that. And then you've got Wang and his, I think it's his uncle, who's probably the only name I can't remember in the whole movie. And then Eddie are there. And then Egg shows up later. They're all like doing like Kung Fu movie, you know, type style, like Bruce Lee movie style, you know, mm-hmm. you know, sort of feel for their acting. And then Gracie Law, which is Kim Cattrall, and Margot, the reporter, they're clearly like 1950s era, the detective, you know, noir they type are the stuff. damsels in distress yeah, trying and they're, to do something, yeah. Yep, and they're over the top. And everybody's exaggerated. And so I, for me, that helps explain, like, okay, because Gracie feels like she's in a different movie than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Jack feels like he's in a different movie than everybody else. It really did feel that way. I'm glad you, you, you bring that up, that they do feel like they're in a different movie, because there was something with the acting that I was having a trouble putting my finger on, aside from it just being <laughs> out there. Uh, and, yeah, it, it really does, like, they're making this kind of a movie. 
Kurt Russell's making another kind of a movie, and all the Asian people are making another kind of a movie. <laughs> so yeah, it, it really, uh, it really uh, all comes together gloriously, though. I mean, in that restaurant that, scene, especially. Yeah, and especially yes, there, uh, but it does. It, it comes together, guys, in a in a in a form that just it works. I don't know how else to describe it, but it works. Okay, and uh, something else I want to bring up here. Let me see. Okay. The funniest scene, I, I, there's no scene I laugh harder at in this movie, is in this block of the movie. It's when they impersonate electricians to sneak into the, the Lopin's business. Yeah, but before we go there, <laughs> before we go there, I, okay. I love Kurt Russell's character. Oh, yeah, As I just he's that. sneaking into the brothel yeah. first, and, and uh, <laughs> so he's sneaking in as this, he's got the corduroy jacket, the tie, Glasses, and they've combed his hair over to the side now because it was a, uh, it was a an eighties eighties glorious mullet. kind of a mullet, yeah, kind of a mullet, yeah. Think think Billy Ray dialed back to about five, maybe, but still teased within an inch of its life. Still teased, yeah. He's he's got the Aquanet flowing. He's he brought those clothes too. <laughs> and uh, those, 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 that, the clothes you're talking about, that suit, is from a used car salesman character he did earlier in the '80s. I could, I could see that, yeah. and uh, I could see that. So, I mean, and and also in completely '80s style with the wardrobe. I mean, he's got the skin tight jeans tucked into the boots <laughs> with a tank top tucked into the pants. Tucked into the pants, <laughs> like I'm talking girdle tucked in. <laughs> You know, if if he had a if he had a little bit of a belly roll going on, which I mean he was in some serious shape in this movie. I noticed that this time too. And, and if he had a little bit of a belly roll going on, this shirt was taken care of. <laughs> you know, it is is not going there. Uh, but yeah, so when he goes in with the suit and the glasses, you know, just kind of being this clueless. And he was being as smarmy as he could be. Kind of, yeah, just uh, well, I don't know what can I get, you know, and uh, then he mentions the green eyed girl. Which clears off, clues off one of the mistresses there, and she goes down. And this is when you know the three storms come in, blow the roof off. Uh, yeah, when we see Miao Yin tied up in there. Miao Yin's tied up to the bed, and they they take her away. And really, uh, I, I love that that the the thunder and the lightning guy rides. The, the lightning with a, you know, he just like reaches out and holds on to it. And just, and it like a, like a and fire pole just slides down. Yeah. down. yeah. It's pretty cool. But yeah, when they, when they disguise as electricians to go into the larger building. They put on no disguises. They, all they're carrying is Kurt Russell has an old 80s handset. And, all, and, uh, <laughs> and I think they've put on blue jean jackets is about as far as they've went. Yeah, you're right. They yep. put on, they put on denim jackets, yep, they, which of course that's what electricians wear, right? Of course, I mean, that's totally uh, that's totally uh, safe, yeah. minded. But yeah, it's, they just uh, go in all fast talk like yeah, breaker box, blah blah. blah. Box, last time I, last time this happened, a squirrel chew through the lines, you know, and just they just <laughs> run through the back doors. And then security guards are like, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know they called because like almost immediately people are meeting them down there. And they get captured in the elevator thing. So I mean, they know you. They they weren't uh, fooled for a second. Yeah, immediately like there's two goobers coming. But I just love that they thought that was gonna work. Those, and this is where we see um, <laughs> Lopan in his corporeal form as an old man. Have we jumped yet? No, no, you're, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah that, that's so this that, is where we see yeah, him yeah. in his form as an old man. So you see this decrepit old man uh, on this in this motorized chair, and I love that they have. Um, um, 
Jack and Wang tied to old, old, old school wheelchairs, uh, <clears throat> which don't have the motors, but the David Lopez has the motor, and he's uh, kind of letting them know, as you know, movie tropes do, what's actually going on with him. Yeah, and and so they once they escape there, um, they, it gets explained to them. But at the time, like they have trouble accepting that that's Lopan because Jack remembers like I ran over this dude when he was eight feet tall, exactly, and looked you know healthy and strong. And now and now he's this. And at this point in the movie, we're also introduced to the three storms in their leisure wear <laughs> instead of their battle attire. You know, so if Thunder's suit was any tighter, it would just be his skin. They were pretty. They were pretty stylish for the eighties. <laughs> Pretty styling. Did you notice that uh, that Thunder? I mean, you're talking, you're talking about Jackie Jackie Chan's accent. I really don't think Thunder knew any English. I think they were just telling him how to pronounce things. He pronounced by phonetically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but it, but he was a, he was a really great presence in the movie. I, I can see why they still cast him, even though he you know did, if he spoke English wasn't wasn't very well. Yeah. He had just this amazing presence, you know. Yeah. Oh, he was very in, in, uh, intimidating yeah. as, as a presence. I mean, he was he was built, had this intense gaze, yeah. and yeah, I can pretty well see, uh, understand where you would come from with him knowing very little English, which really hasn't stopped a lot of other actors uh, from from doing English speaking roles. I know. Uh, listened to an interview with Antonio Banderas. He done his first two or three movies just learning the scripts phonetically. Wow, I didn't and, know that. As he was learning English. Wow. Um, and uh, most recently that I'm aware of <clears throat> is in uh, this, the Star Wars uh, story Rogue One. Baze Malbus, uh, the guy who hung with Donnie Yen. Yeah, the, the guy with the big gun. The guy with the big gun. Um, he knew very, really? very, very he pulled it off really well. English, and uh, and they even made a point of that because he spoiled the movie. I don't know if you if you've seen this one. We go off on a little rabbit trail, but he spoiled <laughs> the movie during one of the celebrations when they were promoting it. And they were going down the they were going down the panel as they were introducing the the characters. And they said, tell us about your character. Tell us about your character. And they would each, you know, give them a little breakdown. Well, I'm kind of a rogue. I'm kind of a spy. You know, I'm this and that. And they get to his character, and he's like, oh, yes. Uh, my character, uh, he uh, he uh, used to believe strongly in the force. And, and he lost his faith, and he no longer believed until this guy died. And then I believe. <laughs> and you see that again. You see Donnie and sit beside him, just like cut, 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 cut. You know, okay, just hush, hush, hush. And and so they really uh, had had to backpedal and be like, you know, he didn't realize what he was doing. (laughs) His his understanding, his grasp of English was so limited. He just knew what his character done and and the arc. That he took, and uh, well, here's my arc. You know, here's, here's, well, here's my new. journey, and it really probably was, was on set for. And uh, so it was, it was glorious. If you ever get a chance to see that interview, I highly recommend you YouTubing it. I'd like to see that. I really <laughs> it's, would. It's it's live on YouTube. Okay, so am I reading the next block? Uh, yeah, let's. Um... Okay, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll finish our review of the last half of one of the greatest movies ever made. Welcome back to 
of the show. And we're going to move a little faster now because most of the plot has been set up now. And we're sort of just wrapping things up. All the, all the plot lines are coming plot, together at this point. Plot. There's a, there's, there there's is a, a plot. There's, yeah. a, there's enough plot to film a movie. <laughs> I, I was being cruel. There is a plot, and, and it's great. It's pretty thin, though. I mean, the, the humor carries this movie, not the plot. All right, so I'll read our next block here. Uh, Wayne tells Jack that Lopan needs a special green-eyed girl to break an ancient curse, and he intends to sacrifice Miao Yin. Centuries ago, Lopan, a great warrior and even greater wizard, was defeated in battle by the first sovereign emperor, Kui Shi Wang. I think I pronounced that right. The emperor cursed Lopan with incorporeality. I know I didn't pronounce that right. Although Lopan can be temporarily granted a decrepit body by supplication to the gods, he must marry a woman with green eyes to appease Ching Dai, the god of the east, and sacrifice her to satisfy the emperor. When Jack and Wang's friends attempt to save them, they are also captured. After getting the drop on Thunder, Jack, Wang, and Eddie escape and free many women kept in holding cells in the process. During the escape, a horrible orangutan-like monster recaptures Gracie before she escapes. Lopan notes that Gracie has green eyes, too. Lopan decides to sacrifice Gracie while making Miao Yin his unwilling wife. Yeah, now, the uh, plot to sacrifice Gracie while marrying and keeping, well, he's going to marry them both, yeah. sacrifice Gracie and keep Miao Yin, was not really explained in the movie. Because I'm going to lie to you, I read this synopsis as I watched the movie, uh, which really helped along a lot. I was like, what in the world has Jamie sent me? And when he sent me this Dropbox link, I was like, what What the world's going on? But yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll back up here. Uh, as they're rescuing the, the women from the uh, headquarters... Holding sales. Holding sales, whatever know. you want to call it. This is where we see some of the glorious kung fu fighting that these uh, guys have. I don't know if it's genetic predisposition for, <laughs> uh, that we thought of in the 80s or we just thought that they learned this stuff in PE while they were at school and if we had to play volleyball. I wish I had recess in Chinatown. <clears throat> yeah, for real. I mean, we had to play volleyball. I would have much rather had got a, my black belt, you know. <laughs> kung fu and recess would have been great. Uh, yeah, and, you know, kung fu during recess or PE, I'm going to tell you something. My kid is in karate classes. That junk ain't cheap. <laughs> P would have been good. Um, so um, now you're right that, that that's a that's a like a plot line that keeps popping up is the um, the human trafficking thing that's going on. And did you know? I I love the little detail in there. They, everybody everybody's free in there. And so and Jack is crawling along the top of the sails and he he finds Margot and asks where Gracie is. And they have to point her out because she's bound and hogtied. She's, hog she's ha gagged and hogtied because she wouldn't shut up. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was glorious. I seen it. And I was like, oh wow, what has she gotten into here? But uh, yeah, I was wondering what type of movie this is going to be after that. Yeah, but you're, but you're right. Some of the some of the plot lines are just said quickly and they just move on. Yeah, move yeah. On. and you don't like. They, you know, I, I promise you, it's all there. It's all explained in. Almost no detail. It's all there. They don't linger on anything. And they don't linger on anything. They, they do an exposition drop, and they move on, and that, after that, it's just in the plot. The uh, best way I would describe this acting through this portion of the movie is rushed. Yeah, if, if they had, uh, you know, and of course, I'm going to go back to Star Wars with George Lucas. Faster, more intense, I think, was John Carpenter's direction <laughs> <laughs> through this. Everything is so breathless. Everything is so to the point, so rushed. And of course, you know, 
It's virtually all, all action from here on yeah, out. Totally. And these guys are in, you can tell, over their head. Yeah. And so they get the girls. They, especially Jack. They get out. Now, have they already gotten Egg and his little group of people here, or is that the next section coming out? No, that's the next section. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of blending these two. Well, they, it's, it's very similar because they, they, they go into the headquarters twice. Okay. That's where I'm Yeah, because they, they sneak in. And a, they were captured the first time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they get the girls, get out. And then they, then they come back through the subterranean tunnels under, of course, that's, that's what the underground San Francisco looks like. <laughs> but, but, then, but I think this is the part where the movie looks a little dated. That that monster the that grabs monster, Gracie, it looks awful. I was really looking for a little bit more from that. Yeah. Well, part, part of it was, is that, this is, once again, me knowing too much, the uh, the stunt guy who was performing that role was kind of a diva. This is this is what I've read, and he 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 wouldn't act in the costume way he was supposed to. He was supposed to be up on his toes, like in a Lon Chaney Wolfman mm. type movement. And when he settled back onto his heels and refused, and I kind of hunched, the costume looked wrong. Because if you look, watch his feet; those toes just flop. Yeah, and it looks it looks off. cheap, but, it, but those are supposed to be on. He's supposed to be up on his toes. Up on the toes, oh. and it would have it would have made the costume look different. Yeah, but it see, still looked bad. Now, see, that's where I was thinking budget may have been off. You know, they couldn't get the right size shoe. You know, but uh, I <clears throat> I can see yeah. where where the performance could have been not what they were looking for, uh, but the monsters. Completely. Well, the clear. face looked bad. I mean, yeah. it, it, it didn't look great. Like when he when he tried to growl or yell, like the face didn't really move very yeah, much. It, it didn't. Yeah. Enough, yeah, it didn't. But it was it was still kind of a creepy, just grotesque. Well, when I was a kid monster. and saw this, he scared me. It was really scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could I can see that. And don't judge my parents. I did see this <laughs> too young, but. I think all seventies and eighties movies we've seen. Too young. Um, I recently, uh, well, probably a year or so ago, was looking through the $5 bin. I said, Howard the Duck. This was hilarious when I was a kid. So I took it home and I put it in and I'm like, this is not what I remember watching. So we had to quickly watch something else. So yeah, the, uh, the 80s were complete... Um, yeah, you have to take the ratings with a grain of salt. With a grain of salt. It's like suggested. You know, it's not like, well, this is a hard... You know, this is suggested maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PG in the 80s doesn't mean what PG means now. means today. No, yeah. it completely does not mean what it means today. So if you ever look back at these movies, keep that in mind. Yeah, and if you've got small children, don't go on your memory. Go look up the parental advisory thing on IMDb. Yeah, you'll, you'll take my word for it. You'll get into a lot of hot water doing that. You'll have to answer a lot of questions. <laughs> okay, uh, do you want to read the next section, Roy? <clears throat> yeah, let me go ahead and uh, get I wasn't this. sure if it was me or you. No, it's, it's me this time. Okay. Wang and Jack regroup with the Chang Sing and Egg Shin. And a and as a group, they enter an underground cavern to return to Lopan's headquarters. Egg pours each of the group a potent potion that Jack makes him that Jack says makes him feel kind of invincible. <laughs> the group interrupts the wedding ceremony, which breaks out into a battle. Wang kills Rain in a sword duel while Jack and Gracie chase the newly alive Low Pan. Wayne joins them, and just when all seems lost, Jack kills Low Pan with a skillful knife throw. Thunder, who had been distracted with Wang, reappears and, furious at finding Low Pan's death, explodes. <laughs> 
That was glorious. Yes, it was. Jack, Wang, Gracie, and Miao Yin are cornered by lightning <laughs> in a corridor who triggers a collapse with his powers. Egg rescues them with a rope and kills lightning by dropping a stone Buddha statue on him when he tries to follow. After finding Jack's truck and dealing with the remaining Wing Kong guards, the group bursts out and escapes back into Wang's restaurant. Now, let me just go ahead and grab a few things right here <laughs> real quick. As, as they meet and, and are planning to go uh, on this journey, um, Egg keeps referring to the jar he has. Kurt Russell, Jack Burton says, what is that, some kind of potion? Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> and you have all of the 80s right here. I mean, from the from them all around taking the shot of the smoking liquid to the sword fights to the neon trimmed wedding hall, throne room, whatever with the skull. It's got the green teeth and the skull trimmed in green neon. There is so room. much neon in his lair. Oh, he's completely discoing it up in there. <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know if he's having a nightclub or a throne room. <laughs> it did look like. So I'm like, yeah. super villains nightclub. <laughs> super villains nightclub. Yeah, it was great. Um, but if I were ever going to get a tattoo, I don't have one yet. If I were ever going to get one, it would probably be a picture of the Pork Chop Express on my bicep with the words kind of invincible wrapping <laughs> around it. You know, Kurt Russell, Jamie, <laughs> had some really, really, really great quotes. In this movie, and and I know what we've got thus far and not not brought any up, but and I I can't remember them because only you know seen it one time in in the last uh, eighteen years, say. Um, I'm still trying to absorb a lot, but yeah, his his Kurt Russellisms uh, throughout this movie were were wonderful. Uh, the main scene that stuck out to me before seeing this was when they rush in to the wedding ceremony and they're going, they're all cheering and getting ready to go fight someone. And he immediately throws up his gun, <laughs> fires off a couple shots, and breaks the stone and knocks him out. So, I mean, that that puts the movie in complete perspective. Well, in, in almost every fight scene, he gets, like, taken out of the fight. Like, early, earlier on, he's trying to pull that knife out of his boot, and he gets it out and flips it flies across the room. Yeah. By the time he gets his knife and comes back, Wayne has beaten everybody up. <laughs> yeah, so he, he does get taken out quite a bit. But, again, I mean, you see his bravery. You yeah. see him willing to pitch in. And I don't know if it's the machismo, if it's the, the I'm too cool for school, you know, but he's honestly in there saying, yeah, I know what's going on. You know, and, and you see the first time he kills someone in the movie. Yeah, at the tailing moment. He's really bothered by it for a moment. And one of the guys, he said, oh, is that the first time you ever off somebody? No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. You know, so, and this was, uh, you know, really, like you said, really telling. Well, but when, he, when, he, and when, he, when he finally wakes up after getting knocked out, do you remember what happens? The guard with the crazy mask jumps him. <laughs> and he knocks him back and he pushes the knife through his boot into the guy and gets stuck under the guard for the whole battle. He can't push him. He can't lift him <laughs> off of him. He just has to kind of push him over to the side. Yes. So that's great. Yeah. But as you see, the um, 
the, the fighting, the sword fighting back and forth, all the different characters bringing out their kung fu. And it's even referenced earlier in the movie. I don't know if you've ever caught this in the movie, but I think it's right after the first fight scene. Um, while they're in a restaurant doing their first kind of meeting, Jack Burton mentions, you know, I got these guys out here flying around on wires. Yeah. So he mentions the the wire foo, you know, yeah, it, and, and all that stuff. Well, yeah, those are after the alley when the yeah. when the when the storms first show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got these guys out here flying around on wires. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you've got the the complete eighties. Right here, I mean, it doesn't get any better. You've got the throwing knife paint off. You've got his his machine mullet. gun, the mullet, the neon, got the uh, the guys swinging back and forth, uh, you know, overleaping each other yeah. as they're trying to fight. Um, but I, and, and I love to after they because Wayne finally kills. And I think that's Rain, right? I, I somehow get the the storm's name yeah. mixed up. He yeah, kills kill Rain, Rain first, and Jack has fought, has taken um, uh, Gracie Law, and they went after Lopan, who still has Miao Yin, mm-hmm. and so he's given up on his big plot to kill Gracie Law and marry Miao. He's just going to kill Miao Yin to finish the whole thing. On the elevator ride up, Gracie Law finally kisses Jack and gets that red lipstick all over his face, and so for the whole dramatic finish of the movie, he's got this. <laughs> Oh, she's got yeah, she's got like the uh, the geisha almost makeup, yeah, the white face, the really dramatic colors and the red lips. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, like they're in these like, very elaborate getups with elaborate headdresses and makeup. I mean, they're really made up for the wedding ceremony. And so he's got this, you know, Smear wedding red just, lipstick. And so he's doing this dramatic John Wayne tough guy routine, and he's got her lipstick all over his <laughs> lips, his teeth. I mean, yeah. And so it, it just it amuses me that that whole dramatic. Finally, you know, they're finally dealing with Lopan and his face is covered with her lipstick. Yeah. It's great. And, and that's a great thing. I'm glad they carried through with continuity or whatnot. You know? <laughs> and she has to uh, she has to wipe it off later when they have a moment. But this is uh, but this is kind of a, re- a redemption scene for Jack. Because he's, he's kind of not really been much help through most of the movie. And and so, like, I mean, most of the battle, like I said, he's chasing his knife or he's under a guard or something. And um, so, so he throws the knife at Lopan and misses. Yeah, and, he knocks the knife aside. Yeah, and then Lopan grabs it, throws it back at him. Jack catches it out catches of the air, it. throws it back, and catches Lopan in the head. It's like Jack's big redeeming moment. He's okay, and welcome back. We just had a small technical glitch, and by small, I mean Dwayne was furious for a moment there. But uh, but we're all good. And the uh, last thing we were talking about was uh, Jack's big redeeming moment of being the guy that is, he's finally useful and takes down Lopan. And, uh, and that's the point where... Uh, I think maybe Dwayne's favorite death scene in the whole movie happens. What happens? Tell me what happens with Thunder, Dwayne. Well, Thunder is so overtaken with emotion <laughs> at the loss of his master that he blows up like a balloon, and his face looks like, as you so aptly said, a Cabbage Patch Kid. <laughs> um, and he really does. I mean, it's really just completely stuffed with stuffing, as you can see there. Pop! His head goes. I love, I love when they see it because they run when they, as he starts to blow up, like it, it, to like swell. They go out in the hallway, and then when he blows up, they see all the little away. bits of him come to flying get away out from in the hallway. And stuff starts coming out <laughs> down the uh, down the hall. It's wonderful. But yeah, the uh, the death of uh, of Thunder was really glorious. But you know, like you were talking about with Jack being redeemed, uh, catching the knife, throwing it back. I mean, this is why we kept the throwing knives on our person at all time in the eighties. I think, uh, you know, uh, between a, a, you know, I always had either a Rambo style survivor survival knife somewhere close at hand, some uh, ninja throwing stars somewhere close at hand, a throwing knife, 
Um, do you remember the butterfly knives that would? Oh yeah, that would flip around and you could do a little tricky. I stuff was a little bit younger than you in the eighties, but I was young enough. But I wasn't so young that I don't remember how cool these things. Oh were. yeah, these things were great. And then you know, after Thunder is dealt with, they're escaping through the 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 hallways and the and the tunnels there, and we find another awesome, wonderful, glorious weapon that was always just out of reach as a child. Um, Egg is uh, standing in a, a um, they're confronting lightning. Yeah, they're, they're running from lightning. And yeah, they're running from lightning. So they go and they start lifting people up through a hole in the ceiling. Yeah, they're trying to get to a floor above. And then a floor above them is Egg through another hole in the ceiling. And he's trying to get them, they're trying to get away from lightning. And Egg has the awesome crossbow. <laughs> And, uh, and you know, of course, with the crossbow, you can do so much things with them. I mean, you can have a grappling hook. You can have, uh, you know, just a bolt arrow to take someone out. Uh, what Egg has is a really unique device I had never seen. And it is a, uh, a pulley system. And uh, he, he shoots down the floor. They grab the rope. He, he's got a little motor or a fishing uh, reel. He, he reels them up and, and gets everyone all out there. And then uh, lightning is taken out by... <laughs> well, apparently my favorite death uh, method <laughs> method of execution uh Dwayne, Dwayne he pointed this out earlier before our technical glitch apparently i've got a thing with people being crushed from above uh he, uh, uh egg grabs this um how he lifts it it's clearly not made of stone because because the little egg is you know flinging it around but it's this uh the stone buddha and he throws it down on Lightning's head as he's coming through the hole in the floor below him. Hey, Crash, yeah, and this was reminiscent <laughs> of the death of the reporter in Hot Fuzz as the church spire falls and, and takes him out on the head. Yeah, the guy so, in the, the scream outfit tosses it down, and it lands spire first on the guy's so, head. Yeah. So it is with Lightning and the booty. You see his head kind of mashed in. You can tell he's not uh, going to recover from that too, <laughs> none, none too quickly. And so we, we have the escape from uh, the, the lair there. And they wind up in the restaurant. Yeah, they find they up. find Jack's truck. Oh, yeah, they find yeah, Jack's and they truck escape. and get away. So, yeah, there's a happy ending there for the Pork Chop. Yeah, the Pork Chop Express survives to be monologued in another day. Um, so they so they get to the restaurant at the end, like Dwayne said, and they're sort of wrapping all the storylines up. And so Margot and Eddie resolve their tension, and they sort of couple up and move off. Um, we see how happy uh, Wang is with Miao Yin. And we have this, you know, this really entertaining, completely overacted scene between uh, uh, Gracie Law and Jack Burton, where she's like being this like, you know, femme fatale from a 1950s spy movie or something. And she's trying to convince him to stay or to get a bigger truck so she can go with him. Yeah. And he just kind of like, no, he's messed these things up. You know, he's playing like this big tough guy, the cowboy riding off into the distance, you know, leaving the heartbroken lass behind. Yeah, he has to maintain superiority in all situations, uh, and even if it means uh, robbing himself of maybe a a, a happy uh, companionship. Well, yeah, they're both so ridiculous. They uh, maybe deserve each other. I'm not sure. <laughs> deserve each other maybe apt, but yeah. So as but, as he's but, yeah, leaving but, away. Yeah, but I, I love. I'm sorry, I jumped the gun because I didn't. Well, I didn't want to miss. I was afraid you were going to the next segment. I love that Margot sees this interaction on in the background as Jack goes to leave. She goes, "Aren't you even gonna kiss her?" And, and he just kind of blows her off. Yeah, he just he completely Han solos her. He just completely just shrugs her to the side. No, nah, no, nope, <laughs> nope. And then and then we the last scene of the movie we see him driving away in the Pork Chop Express, and we see it's I think it's supposed to be a dramatic moment. It, 
But the 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 horrible orangutan monster thing we see is is hooked up to on the pork top express in the back and is following Jack. And um and the thing's just not scary. I mean, not to a grown up. When I when I was like seven or eight when I first saw this movie, that thing was scary. It just it just yeah, the, the it effects just, don't hold. It up. just really wasn't. And either watching that scene uh, this time through, I was really hoping. Oh man, why didn't they? carry that up somewhere i mean if, if he's a cross-country driver why didn't they bring that thing up to new york now it's loose in new york and wreaking havoc and he has to deal with it there in, in the chinatown in new york or even oregon or something well and so i don't know how much the, the rabbit hole we want to fall down here because i these are these are lots of traps i keep avoiding that i, that I can go down <laughs> but yeah. there, there was a plan um or at least like a, a loose plan for a sequel that they mm. could have done that they've done in graphic novel form okay. and I, I actually I don't, I don't know how i missed it because i'm the comic book guy but uh, i just recently discovered them oh really? and I've, I've grabbed the first couple i haven't gotten to them yet my my back log of the reading stack is pretty high, it's pretty high yeah. but uh yeah there's i think there are six graphic novel volumes that would wow. have, that would have continued that storyline oh that's great that's great to know that they at least exist in some form yeah and apparently the rock is a huge fan of this movie and he's trying to convince john carpenter to make a sequel with him starring in it uh i enjoy the rock <laughs> i enjoy the rock for what he is for what he does we should could have seen Dwayne's face. I just, I just don't know how many more remakes. I, I love. I mean, Jumanji was fun. No, that, that, they don't want to make a remake. They want to make a sequel. Even that. I mean, even even the new Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle is a sequel of the other. Just kind of, yeah. you know, a reboot, re sequel, whatever. But it does continue on the story. Guys, I'm sorry. Let's get some original content in Hollywood. I love my 80s, I love my 70s, I love my 90s, early 2000s science fiction. I love it all. I am completely obsessed with it. I do not need another retelling of one of these stories. Yeah. And I'm just going to leave that at that. Well, some things need to be left alone. I mean, the, this this movie is, is, is what it is, and yeah. I, I don't know that it works in another era or another age or with another actor. I don't know. Exactly. I, think, I think Kurt Russell is integral to this movie working. And and the movie was what it was, uh, just like you said, in the uh, the the content, the uh, the way that that content is dealt with, really couldn't be explored in any other era the way that it was explored here um so yeah I, i'm i'm going to leave that rabbit hole alone and let's go <laughs> ahead and move on uh, jamie let's look at some awards i mean uh, as far as like beating on these remakes or reboots or whatever let's let's look at some positive uh awards for this movie let's look at for, for the first award i think this is my favorite for our best quote uh Dwayne, do you want me to go first or you want to go first uh, you go first okay go you uh seem to have I, i've got one that i love and that I, I use constantly. I've, I've got a backup. I've got the, there's a backup one that I just want to mention. There's a scene where um, early in the movie, Gracie Law mentions she can't go somewhere because they'll recognize her face and want to push it in. <laughs> and so later on, they're going to go to another place where they recognize her. And Kurt Russell just stops and goes, look, I get it. I, I know there's a problem with your face. <laughs> and, you know, that's so great on so many levels of him being snarky and him trying not to trying not to let her know that he's into her. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's a problem with your face. So she's probably saying, does he think there's a problem with my face? <laughs> What's the problem with my face? Was it, you know, 
So yeah, it's so many different angles you could take that from. But I, but I'm totally cheating here. That's my runner up. Okay, that's your runner up. So let's okay, go my, ahead. My first one's easy because he says it more than once. Where he he'll like um like he says it the first time when he's driving in the opening monologue. He says, "Honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. All in the reflexes. And and of course we've talked about how safe um, that opening <laughs> monologue appears to be with his driving. I really truly hope that was done against a green screen." <laughs> Now he does. He with, does drive the Pork Chop Express a few times. Chop. Well, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, my uh, uh, quote, and, and there are so many. There are so many throughout the movie. I really was overwhelmed with the amount of quotes. And, and if you follow me on Facebook or, or Twitter, uh, Instagram, whatever, I'll sometimes throw out quotes from a movie, uh, uh, either a one-liner or a small paragraph. But uh, this movie, one of the things that really stuck stuck to me was Jack says. I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things, uh, you know, and it's just the way he, his, his life view is, uh, against this movie was so glorious. And that sums it up completely right there. I love it. And, and Kurt Russell's delivery of these things. I mean, I've got, I've got two brothers and I, I, there was a point in our lives where I think we could have carried on entire conversations with just Jack Burton lines. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. And, you know, his delivery and appearance and acting style in this movie is, I think we have even mentioned it a few times in this part, completely 1950s. Hollywood. I mean, you know, he's he's just this John Wayne character. I know you mentioned earlier about this being potentially set in the Wild West at one point. Uh, yeah, he is uh, really just out there. Yeah. Okay, so our next award is favorite scene, and uh, we've already mentioned mine, so I was going to get out of the way. It's the scene where they're where they're doing the worst impression of electricians ever, <laughs> and just storm into Lopan's headquarters with Jack just carrying the handset he clearly just took from Gracie Law's house. As they go in there, so that—that's my. I just, I, I, it's so ridiculous that I laugh so hard every time they go in there, fast talking with that, that waving around that little phone handset. I just laugh so hard. It's my favorite scene. Yeah, that's a that's a great scene. Now my, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and reel it back with my favorite scene to the first scene of the movie where Egg is uh, is sitting there talking to the lawyer and ex and and explaining, you know, you leave Jack Burton out of this. Uh, he's he's a hero. He's courageous, and you don't know what you're talking about. And I guess they're trying to find someone to stick this uh, on, but he's, you know, really going to back for Jack Burton. And the lawyer is saying, well, do you believe in magic? Do you believe this? And this is where we get our first taste of, of you know, the magic, the uh, uh, awesome, uh, extravagant things that happened to this movie. Yes, I do. And and he shows him the sparkles, uh, the, the lightning in between his hands uh, as, a, as an example of magic, which, you know, I think the reveal during the first fight with the elements coming down would have been uh, would have been a much more dramatic. But this one really right off the bat, and I know you said it was something that the studio wanted put in, but this one really allowed me to buy right in. Yeah. Okay, this is where we're going. This is kind of ridiculous, you know. And and with me being a while since I'd seen the movie, it was kind of a, a, a almost a new viewing. It was almost a fresh sight to me. Well, that's a really great scene. I think largely because of Egg's face. Uh, mm -hmm. I forget the guy's name, the actor's name. He's just Egg. He'll always be Egg. Yeah, to yeah me. he's always Egg. But but his, his the way he, the way he act, his his facial acting in that scene 
delivers so mm-hmm. much. I mean, just the the, the the like the knowing look in his eyes, yeah. the way he kind of like or, or his eye. You know, he's yeah. got this he's got the strip <laughs> going on. He's got kind of the dead yeah. eye, which yeah. really adds a lot of character yeah. and lets you know that this guy's had some miles. Yeah. You know, this guy's had some had to pay some dues. He's it, some that seems a real tone setter though. Yeah, real, yeah. between that that scene and with Egg sort of setting you up for. That there's some weirdness going on, and then combine that with Jack's truck driving, and then scene. you go right, yeah. you go right into the the crazy trucker. Yeah. You, you figure out what's going on pretty quickly. Yeah. Um. So okay, last is for last award for today is the best over the top performance. <laughs> you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? I'm gonna go first because forced. You want to go first? Forced. <laughs> you, you forced me to first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go first. The uh, my favorite over the top scene is. I mean, there's so many between the main characters i'm not even going to go there i'm I'm going to go the over-the-top acting to me was the ladies who are guarding the ladies in the cells when they they go in and, and kim cattrall's hog tied over by the side you, you've got the, to the two females uh guarding them and they come out to fight yang and his brother and um They've got the Asian weapons. They've got the the sticks and the swords, and and they're just completely we and just completely over the top fighting, and that was glorious. Yeah, and they're, and their high y'all sounds or whatever that is, they're so loud. I mean, yes. they're really selling it. Yeah, the sound mix on this movie is is inconsistent to say the least. <laughs> Okay, my, my favorite over-the-top uh, performance slash scene is every scene Kim Cattrall's in. <laughs> um, she is just, she's in an entirely different movie than everybody else. Yeah, I, mean, I would have liked to have seen the movie she thought she was in. <laughs> um, it was clearly on purpose, because she sells it, and she is all in. So, you know, she is like the hard-charging, you know, lawyer from the 1950s detective movie, you know? She is committing, to say the least. Oh, uh, absolutely. And she's, I mean, she's chewing scenery, man. I mean, she is just... And, and honestly, she stole a lot of scenes in this movie. Um, yeah. I, I love her performance in this movie. Well, Jamie, with this movie being a little bit of a mid-80s movie, I know one of our favorite actors kind of come around late, late, late 80s, early 90s. I mean, where are we going to connect Keanu with this movie? Okay, I know in the in the past we've mostly done like you know like a six degrees of Keanu type connection. Mm-hmm. Um, for this one, I want to do something a little different. Um, the, the connection here is not so much the um, a, an actor he's been um, in, a, in a film with or a director he's worked with. Uh, it's the role that he played. Um, the role he played in The Matrix as Neo was sort of the the entrance for us. So as Morpheus could brilliantly deliver exposition to him to catch us up. So he was sort of the 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 new guy to this strange world. Well, it's the same. It's this very similar role that Jack Burton is playing in this movie. Jack Burton is kind of our Neo in this movie. He mm-hmm. never says whoa, but <laughs> but he, but he clearly doesn't know what's going on. But he always says, "What the is happening here?" <laughs> Absolutely. But there's but there's lots of scenes of exposition. They're not delivered as well as Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus. Well, I'll grant that. But uh, but he he he's us. He's yes. the guy who doesn't understand what's going on. And he, so he is he the everyman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jack is the everyman for us to, to link to and follow through this journey and learn what is going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's your Keanu connection for today. And now, one of what is rapidly becoming my one of my favorite segments on, on our show is the Keeping It 100. And uh, Dwayne, do you want to go first? I'll, I'll go first with this one, Jamie. Now, this uh, section, keeping it 100, uh, we're giving ourselves 100 seconds to sell uh, a movie, book, audio performance, comic, what have you. 
<clears throat> to our co-host here, or potentially, hopefully, you, our audience. Now, uh, hopefully, now maybe some of this stuff that you've heard of already, maybe uh, have, haven't had a chance to check out, maybe some of this stuff we want to, you know, see for the first time. Um, I know some of these things are stuff that I'm wanting to revisit myself. Now, my keeping it 100, Jamie, uh, you have the timer set? I'm ready. Okay, I'm... Give me a count to three, and I'm going to go. Three, two, one, go. All right. Now, my Keeping It 100 uh, this episode is going to be for a very recent thing that came out. Uh, not not old at all, but a lot of people, I feel, missed it because of the controversy and the time frame that, that occurred around it. And what I'm talking about here uh, is uh, the, the Solo movie. Uh, a Star Wars story. We want Disney acquired Star Wars. They started looking at these characters and telling a bigger story of characters or events now we've got rogue one which was wonderful uh seemingly to be viewed across the board as wonderful uh, han solo come out after the last jedi a very very controversial movie and only six months after the last jedi now that was very very close for any movie of, of a franchise especially with the controversy that happened with this movie, with the shifting of directors and the um, all the controversy there with The Last Jedi. Jamie, we went and seen this in the theater together. I had a blast. I recently purchased this on home video, watched it again with my kids. They had a blast. So, guys, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Alden Ehrenreich nails it as Han Solo. And how am I doing on time? I've got You've a got 20 seconds. I'm, I'm going to keep talking. Keep gushing. I'm going to keep talking because, you know, even though Alden Ehrenreich is not Harrison Ford, he nailed the character of Han Solo. You know, there are flaws in the movie. It's not a perfect movie, but it's wonderful. So check it out. And that is three, two, one. I'm shut up. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to second that notion. Um that it's a fantastic movie. Um, it's not flawless. Very few movies are flawless, mm. though. And it's it's fun. Um, it's got a lot of heart. Um, yeah. There's some really good action scenes in it, too. There's some great it's action scenes. Movie. And yeah. the heart, like you said, the heart is really yeah. there. And, and Alden really captures uh, a not-as-cynical Han Solo as we are introduced to yeah. in A New Hope. And it kind of lets you see how he got there. It's a believable character arc. I, I really, uh, like I said, I, I completely second that motion. <laughs> All right, Jamie, what are, what are you selling today? Okay, let me, I'm, I'm going to count myself in here. Three, two, one, go. I'm going a little bit more obscure than Dwayne. Actually, a lot more obscure than Dwayne. Uh, my, um, my Keeping It 100 this, this time is Six Gun Gorilla. It's a graphic novel written by Simon Spurrier and art by, I believe it's Jeff Stokely. I'm, I'm, I think I've got his name right. Um, I know it sounds ridiculous. Six Gun Gorilla. With a name like that, it should be silly. There are moments of silliness, but it's actually a very serious, very thought-provoking um, story. It's set in a futuristic sci-fi setting, but there's a, a, a secondary world where they can go, and it's a world where technology doesn't function. And so what they do is they implant cameras in people and send them to the war that's being fought in the secondary world. So there's, there's this depressed archivist guy. He's a, he's a, a, a literature historian. And he's depressed. He gets the cameras put in his head. And his only job is to go over there and view, view enough stuff to make the modern reality TV of that world until he dies. That's, wow. And, uh, and then like he gets to designate like a certain amount of money that goes to a survivor. Mm. Um, 
but it's a very it's a very thoughtful reflection on how we create media, how we create stories, how stories should impact us, how we interact with and enjoy a medium. Um, there is a gorilla. He does have a very large revolver. <laughs> I can't tell you more about the gorilla himself without giving away the plot line. Um, it's a six-issue miniseries. You read your six issues, you, buy, you read the single graphic novel, you've got the whole story. It's very, it's very um, um, you know, consumable size. It's not going to overwhelm me with, uh, with issues here. Six-Gun Gorilla by Simon Spurrier. And I'm done. We both made it, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe this is as close as we've come to the 100. Uh, and uh, so you had, uh, I took my whole time. It just had to shut up at the end. And you uh, you wrapped yours up with I was just getting a, close. about about two and a half seconds to go there, uh, which uh, I mean, hey guys, <clears throat> we're here to have fun. We're here and we're here to talk. So yeah, and uh, we, that, we get we give ourselves quests. We're also we're giving you all some quests to go on. To, to have such a, a an odd name, Six Gun Gorilla, it sounds like a very thought provoking, very intelligent design for the story uh, yeah. with the with the the way that media is consumed and, yeah. the, and the information is gathered with uh, you know the the implants and going to another dimension sounds really really interesting and it, it, it's it's take on media is very thought-provoking it'll make you think about about what you're viewing and seeing and listening and reading and if you, I mean, if you got a gorilla with a revolver, <laughs> I mean, you can go ahead and count me in just for the sheer fact of how's this going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. But well, the, the cover sold me. <laughs> it would have to. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to, as as covers should. Yeah. So we're, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up now with our call to action, um, and so we're gonna we're gonna ask you to subscribe, and, and they think these things that we're asking you to do they really help our show. I mean, the the more, the more, the, yeah, they help us with our rankings and stuff. Um, and I, I think I think Dwayne Jamie, just confused there's me. There's something we're forgetting this episode. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Really, I yes, mean, I'm sorry. I, I'm surprised you haven't brought it up until now. Uh, have Have you gotten any help <laughs> for your issues? Uh, no, I'm still addicted. Uh, I still have a problem with ranking things, but I'm gonna try. I, I want to mix things up, and mm. if it doesn't work, we can go back to put it in the show. It's fine. Um, by the time this show airs, we'll have a Facebook group page, and um, so what, I, what we're going to do going forward, for at least the next few episodes, we're going to give it a try, is I'm going to announce on our show what we're going to be ranking. And then we'll have a discussion thread on our Facebook group page where I will put the full ranking of what I've ranked. And I'm gonna, I want to I challenge you guys. Bring me your ranking. Let's have a discussion about our ranking. And so what, I, what I'm going to put, the, the first ranking I'm going to put on our Facebook group page is our um, top five ridiculous action movies. And so I clearly, I mean, if you've listened this far into the show, you know what my number one is. But two through five will be a surprise. And we'll talk, and we'll, I just want to have a discussion about what our most ridiculous uh, favorite action movies are. And so that'll be on our Facebook group page shortly. And we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep you informed on that as we go forward. Um, yeah. So hopefully soon we'll have a, a, a name to give you on that. But uh, it's probably going to be something uh, along the lines of our Instagram and Twitter names. Yeah. Um, if, if you're uh, apt to please follow us. On uh, on Instagram and we are Roundtable Nerds two, uh, number two and it's Roundtable Nerds Nerds with a K as always, and the number two. Jamie, what are we on Twitter? Twitter's the same. Whenever, whenever we use a number, you know we're humble here, guys. We don't think we're number one. We always go with number two. So on Twitter, we're at Nerds two, and our um, Gmail account is uh, RoundtableNerds at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Love to have some. Uh, any way you want to have a discussion with us, we're open to it. 
We also want to take some suggestions. Is there anything you'd like to hear us talk about or force us to watch if you're mean? Um, we would. Uh, we will take your suggestions. Um, yeah, on our Instagram page, I try to be clever and post a picture of uh, a piece of toast with some jam on it. And I said, what's your jam? You know, uh, shoot us some ideas for some topics. So you can you can look for that kind of humor when you follow us. Yes, we're we're clever here. Yeah, actually, I had a uh, phone call recently. Somebody that called to inform me that our uh, we spelled nights wrong on our uh, <laughs> title of our uh, podcast. So I, w- I won't name names uh, because I love you, Josh. But um, so as as we close down today, we just want to ask you to you know it really does help the show if you subscribe, um, rate, and review us. That'll help make it easier for people when they search to to find us. And um, as Dwayne always says. Five stars are what we prefer. Um, Dwayne, what's our next quest? I'm pumped for this one. Our next quest, we're going to be uh, going with a true classic here of uh, of Hollywood cinema. I mean, you can look to the dawn of cinema. You can look to the most recent Oscar winners. And what we're going to look at right now is, I would say, the greatest among those (laughs) would be Bill and Ted. Their excellent adventure, the magnum their, opus, and, and the bogus journey. Yes, they, we're going to go ahead and and <laughs> and grab in both of those. So if you guys want to, uh, you know, refresh yourselves on those as as we do ourselves uh, for our next recording, uh, we'd uh, love for you to follow along with us there. Uh, this being timely too, uh, with Bill and Ted, uh, there's rumor of a third. Uh, coming out hopefully very soon it's a uh, working through production from what i'm understanding well, they, well they, they've hit a hitch in production and so i'm still i'm still hoping that bill and ted face the music happens. well you know they've hit a hitch i mean you've i mean keanu's had to have john wicked out <laughs> and uh, uh alex winter i don't know how many more docs he could make i mean wonderful filmmaker uh both of those guys actually uh in the snagging production i hope was trying to resurrect george carlin uh, but I hope that there's some homage or thank to him as well, uh, you know, as being Rufus, uh, completely integral uh, as their guide through time, uh, those movies. But the, the, the rumored title that I've heard is Bill and Ted Face the Music. That's the same thing I've heard. And uh, so hopefully uh, that, that comes to us very soon. And, you know, guys, we would like to thank you all for listening and uh, and your support. And please just, uh, you know, continue to spread the word and be great and awesome like you are. Until next time, I'm Dwayne. And I'm Jamie. Thanks for listening.